It's the KV Pod. Let's get it. Okay, so Hanshro is his first name. Yes. Um, just so you know, these are written in Japanese. Order, uh, order of last name, first name. Uh, right, yes. The surname comes first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember when I actually... I think I learned that like in college. Yeah. That that was the... Because we had a, a Vietnamese friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was backwards. And then it like, I had this revelation of like, oh, that's why in FIFA or the video game we grew up playing, it never said last name. It said surname. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't they just call it a last name? Because yeah. anytime I asked someone, what does surname mean? I was told, well, it's your last name. And I'm like, why then why, last name? why don't they just call it that? But like, if you know a lot of Asian cultures, it's like, oh, the family name goes first. So yeah. Yes, it makes sense to call it a surname because then your surname could be first or last, depending on the culture. So that was like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Yeah. But anyway, uh, welcome, Jared, to the show. Hello. Uh, you've technically already been on the show. We had a Minecrafting episode, um, is the previous episode on the podcast. But now you're an official guest and we're talking to you because we want your perspective on... A really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, technically it might be two movies because there's a remake that came like 50 years after the original. Which is the one I watched first when I first found this movie and then suggested it to you. And I think I showed it to you and you have definitely since watched it on your own and watched the original on your own. Um, you, I think, have taken a lot more from that than I I have. I um, definitely got a lot from the the most recent, I think it's 2016 or 2020. I have 2011 in my notes. 2011, yeah. Um, from that, that rendition, and I haven't watched the original with the same intent that I've watched the, the newer one with. I want to go back and, and read it from the book, so I'll, I'll also be interested to hear your perspective on um, the original work. Yeah, so the movie we're talking about is called Harakiri which is the Midwestern American way of pronouncing it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you Harakiri. is, yeah, if you know the better way of saying it. Um, but before we get into this movie that has been, that I think is amazing and a lot of, I think everyone should watch it. Um, I feel like being interested in movies is kind of a recent development for you mm-hmm. um, as an individual. Not that you didn't like movies prior because we've, are, we've been a very movie family forever. But I feel like you've taken on a more philosophical and thoughtful approach to movies yeah, in the last not, five-ish years. Yeah, um, that can a lot of that can be attributed to Noah Jensen, my my friendship with him. Oh, okay, um, and th- taking movies as art hmm. over entertainment, hmm. um, and so there are lots of very like bad movies <laughs> legitimately bad movies there's one movie fair enough uh, called exhibit a that I, I watched and it's 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 terrible it's so bad it's believable 
it's so it, it's about uh like a father who has like a total emotional breakdown and like he's he's like a struggle struggling comedian or like he wants to be a com- comedian but he like lies about getting a promotion at work because he wants to like uh have his he wants everyone in his family to be happy and so like he they buy a new house but like actually he didn't have the money for it and they're like the the husband and the wife are like arguing and fighting and the acting is so bad it's believable that it's like real life <laughs> and so interesting yeah and so just in in certain things with like watching movies that would technically have even like very low ratings I've been able to appreciate and see, you know, what what was the director going for and totally miss, or what did they go for and actually achieve, um, and, and and you know, like what what stories go unheard or untold because they are wrapped in a very like, you know, sometimes legitimately bad presentation hmm. um, from like a production value, from a production standpoint, or um, other movies that are just like very. You know, even just art films in general can be a bit uh, esoteric, um, but yeah. there there can be a lot to be gained uh, from them, or just just experience. I mean, there's you know there's a lot to be said to just just sitting and being open to what the director wants to tell you, yeah, uh, and and seeing you know what what there is. That's cool, yeah. Um, and so one of those films that you show told me about, or and, and not only told me about, but you like came home for like you had moved away by this point. You came home for like a Christmas break or mm-hmm. something. This was like two or three years ago, and you were mm-hmm. like, "Daniel, you got to watch this movie." And I don't know if you told me anything about it. I think I intentionally didn't tell you anything about it, right? Um, and you, I, you probably mentioned that like there's a very, very, very violent scene. Yes, it's it's hard to watch intentionally. Yes, and 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 that's part of the plot. Yes, and it's and and that is like a, a big spike in a gruesome violence. But the whole movie is not about violence per se. Yeah, it 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 leads off with the violence, right? And then tells you the backstory, yeah. and then there's even like oh dang moments in it being that backstory as you learn as you watch the movie because it's recent <laughs> events that the main character has a connection to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, um, I don't necessarily want to just like walk through the movie for people who haven't watched it because mm-hmm. they can go watch it. Um, but I guess if I were to just the short version, well, first of all, before we talk about the plot, what, what it does Harakiri mean from a historical per- Har- perspective? Harakiri is, um, equivalent of what is also known as seppuku and seppuku is um uh suicide Mm -hmm. but it is an honorable suicide and so for the samurai for the samurai and so what happens when you become a ronin a ronin is not just like a samurai who's out of work it's a samurai who has um usually been cast out into being a ronin so it's not just um, you know, it's not that they, they just like, there's, there's no war anymore. So like, I guess I don't have a purpose, so I might as well just kill myself. Um, it's one who's either fallen into poverty or been excommunicated. Um, it's a very, um, uh, especially in, in feudal Japan, they're in a caste system. So that's, that's an initial, you know, prerequisite to, to know that the, and the, the samurai caste, uh, of people where, you know, they didn't marry outside of samurai, cast um you know and and things like that and so if you're a ronin you're almost kicked out of your cast and down to the lowest like the untouchable uh, uh 
uh, cast. Hmm. Um, right. And and so it's a, it's a very uh, disgraceful mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I'm not. I, I know I'm not an expert on this, but at least from the movie, you can tell that when you're a samurai, you are affiliated with a house. Yes. And so, um, so you're, um, so I don't know an equivalent of what to call that. Like if you're a monk in, in, in Europe, you're part of a monastery. And so if you're a samurai, you're part of a particular house that has a leader. And and so this is kind of like your local chapter, I guess, of samurai that you are affiliated with, that you work with, that you train with, that you grow up with. And so then a Ronin has been excommunicated from a house. From the house. Yeah. Um, And in the story... Um, the the reason for Harakiri is that as a Ronin, you could or in in, in the um, samurai uh, culture and in some ways even religion, sure, um, you could regain some honor and and regain your honor at by committing spuku, um, and uh, and that would be taking your your sword stabbing it into your stomach and wrenching it to the side and mm-hmm. spilling your guts out like it's not just like you kill yourself or you chop your head off but it's like intentionally spilling your intestines out right <laughs> and it's um it it's very gruesome i mean it's it's very uh hard to do and they would have a second that means that there's someone standing waiting to fully finish the job after you've done so, because right, they you don't, would, you they don't, would, they would you, chop off your head. Yes, they would chop off your head, and you don't because when you do that, like you still are alive. I mean, it is extremely painful. Sure. Um. And but, uh, it, it, so if you can't finish the job yourself in terms of actually uh, dying, uh, or after that's done, then they look to the side and say, "Hey, uh, kill me now," <laughs> and then they they will finish finish the job. Right. And I don't know if I could fully unpack the reasoning behind it, but I can, but you can surmise that if you are a disgraced samurai, the logic here could be something along the lines of, well, at least I have the guts, at least I have the honor to have an honorable death. And by honorable, it's I'm enduring pain and I'm enduring something that's very um, unpleasant. And so I, I think at some level you're demonstrating um, your commitment to a warrior kind of lifestyle. And so if, if, the, if, if you're a warrior, war. then you're willing to die in war and and endure the suffering of war. And so if for whatever reason you can't be an actual employed samurai, you could at least demonstrate your resolve to the samurai lifestyle or what have you by committing this very painful form of suicide. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding of the logic, I I think. Yeah. And I don't claim to know anything about Bushido or or any way of the, you know, the warrior lifestyles or or even a whole lot about uh, feudal Japan or the Edo period or anything like that. Um, But it's very nice because all of that is sufficiently explained in the movie. Right. Like you can gather that this is a big deal. Hey, this is something that doesn't happen. Okay, in this culture, this is what they do. It's like, and it's also very subtle. It doesn't walk out and say like, back in the day, we do that. It's like, you can gather because it's a very, the tone of the movie is very serious. It's very uh, sober and and all of that. And so, um, 
you you gather all of that information um, pretty easily. Right. And so so the reason that this is in the movie is not because we're just trying to make a gory movie, but the severity of this suicide, which if you haven't figured it out by this point <laughs> that someone does commit Harakiri in the movie and you do watch it happen. Um, and then on top of that, as an added insult to this particular person, they are forced to do it, not with a true katana, which is obviously very sharp. Well, but this this is something that they, it was unknown to the Lord Lee. Like he didn't know that the way it was actually ended up happening. He didn't know that was going to happen. Um, and the the thing to to get as part of the premise of the movie is that the, there's that this thing of the suicide bluff. So there was a uh, well, right. It, so we'll get to that. But yeah. I was just going to say the, the the harakiri you watch in the movie is with a bamboo sword. Yes, and which is even more disgraceful because it's like, where is your sword? If you are a samurai, even if you are a ronin, where is your sword? You should have your sword. That's that's disgrace on top of disgrace. Right, because it, uh, there's a, even a line in the movie that your sword is your soul. Yeah, and and your sword is a symbol of your samurai status. And so to neglect your sword, to forget your sword, to sell your sword, yeah. which becomes important in the movie, um, is to disregard your samurai status it, and your samurai lifestyle. It's probably something that came from your great grandfather, you know, that they got from their great grandfather. You know, it, it's it's not just something that was. It's not just a tool. It's not just a tool, and it's not something that was just made for you. I mean, it is a work of art, um, yeah. in in a lot of ways, and and is is you know. Uh, is your soul, like you said, right? So and so anyway, so yes. So the there's there's a scene obviously that is very gruesome, but it's the movie's not about violence for the sake of violence. It's it's communicating that the severity of this violence has something to do with honor and has something to do with hypocrisy. And so um, you were going to talk about bluffing. Um, and I think yeah. that kind of sets off the the premise for the movie. So I was going to read the um, the blurb or whatever from the um, for the movie. Um, it says revenge, honor, and disgrace collide when a samurai's request to commit su- commit ritual suicide leads to a tense showdown uh, with his feudal lord. Um, Okay, this is not the one I was looking for. It, it, but the, the the so the the beginning of the the movie it opens up um, with uh, a man who has become a ronin um, requesting to commit harakiri uh, using to use the house of lee's courtyard to commit ritual suicide. Right, you don't do the suicide anywhere. You do it in a courtyard in a yes. house, and so you have to ask permission to even yes. be able to do it. Yes, and so. This is a thing that no one is happy to facilitate. It's it's gruesome. It's sure. terrible. And so the the Lord was trying to convince him. He was like, hey, maybe you could not do this. And so he tells him a story. And the story he tells him is of another um, samurai who had come asking to do the same thing. And... Um, the story what had been happening recently was that samurai would come to the different houses and ask to commit suicide um because they were unemployed they didn't have money but the the uh lord would have 
uh, would, could, would, would send them away with some money and try and convince them like, Hey, like, it's okay. Like just, just, just go and have some money and, and, you know, don't be so, don't be so upset. So, so there's depression, uh, there's, you know, uh, it's disgraceful, you know, and so uh, even just asking for help, even asking for money is disgraceful. Right. And the idea was that these samurai were coming. They're saying, like, I'm so impoverished and I'm suffering so much in this life that I'd rather just commit harakiri and end my life. Yes. And so then the lords would have uh, sympathy and be like, oh, no, don't do this gruesome thing. Just take some money and accept our charity and, and move on. Yes. And this turned into this scam scam right that was sort of a normal thing but the house of lee said okay we're not going to buy into this because well, this is disgraceful and by scam we mean word of the, of the generosity of the lords had spread and so now all these samurai were like oh i want to commit harakiri but really they just want some money yeah and so now there's this layer of disgracing the sanctity of harakiri yeah that is kind of the backdrop of the yes. movie so the story that the lord tells the other the first ronin is of someone that asked to commit harakiri that they then forced to go through with it whether they wanted to really wanted to or not and they were saying we were not we will not let our house be disgraced in this way we will not um, I forget what the line the line that he says, but it's like um, we will not tolerate uh, suicide bluffs. Right. Yeah. And so he tells them this story, um, and I don't know how deeply you want to go into it. Yeah, but I don't necessarily want to retell the whole plot, but yeah, the the well, the you definitely well as he's telling it, um, it, it turns out that the the samurai has a bamboo sword and so even as you're as, as he's telling him stories like he's even more impoverished than you would even think because he had sold his swords yes and and this is one thing i want to get into of how the movie is presented and scripted is it's backwards yes it, it starts with the end almost and then and then and, and, and then, then flashes you, back and then you flash back and, and then catches up to present and then continues on right and so What's important? So, okay, so the opening Ronin is um, Hanshiro. Hanshiro, yeah, um, and and he's an older Ronin, and the Lord is like, okay, let me tell you a story of a, of another Ronin who did this. I don't know, a year ago or something, whose yeah. name was Motome. Um, and so, what what I'm what I'm bringing up here is that Motome is the one who commits Harakiri with the bamboo sword. Yes. And the way he's presented and the way that the house and the Lord perceive him at first is he's completely pathetic. Yeah. And, he, and he, selfish and, he, and cowardly. And he, even outside of that, like the movie presents him as such. Right. He, he is this like, young he's, kid. he's never seen war. His, um, his father had, was um, uh, was a part of a group that was in charge of building the wall or maintaining a wall um, that the shogun had, was instructing them to build. Um, and then, so he, so, so he had never he, seen war. His father is just a construction guy. Yeah. It's just like a construction guy. And then like, there was the thing of like, do we, uh, keep building this thing? But the Shogun didn't specifically say, and like his father, like has a stroke and dies. <laughs> and so then, uh, Motome, uh, like, so he's a kid when this happens. And so he's samurai cast, you know? And so then he's just sent to a close friend, 
um, to be taken care of. And so like he is, he doesn't know anything about war. Um, right. You know, the most recent war was the one that his father was a part of that. Decades before. It was decades before. And his father died of a stroke, was being so stressed out from uh, dis- because it, it, word got to the Shogun that they had disobeyed what he said or didn't do what he said. Just so there's a lot of subtext around uh, just the government and, and the control and, and what it meant to be honored and dishonorable. Um, and, and so much so that, you know, his father, uh, you know, dies of stress, basically. Sure. Um, and so then Multime is just, um, you know, he, he has... N- knows nothing of war um he's a teacher in the in the in the movie right um you know one of you know like so so there there's there's nothing even remotely even masculine about him in a lot of ways right yeah and so and so the when we meet motome it he he seems like he's bluffing. He's this pathetic kid. He's technically a samurai by birth, but he's never seen war. He shows up with these bamboo swords, which seems like he doesn't even take his samurai status seriously because he either forgot his swords or sold them in his carrying around these fake swords. Mm-hmm. And so this kid has the gall and the audacity to show up to a samurai house and ask like he's going to do this honorable suicide but it it's very it seems well, very clear that he's bluffing because he just wants to take some money and run and the house is like no we're going to make an example out of you and you're going to do this the 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 head guy has sympathy for him sure but is pressured into sure by the other samurai by the other samurai lower samurai where their other ones are are very more bloodthirsty sure and they're saying like we can't let this happen or like, let's, let's, let's tear him apart. Let's, let's get him or let's force him to do this. And the, and the head guy is like, well, okay, maybe, you know, he, he his eyes get very wide when he f- sees that he has bamboo swords, you know, and is, is very upset and, and but he sticks to his, his culture and his, his sure. tr- training, uh, to, to, you know, continue to force him through with it. Um, yeah, you know, as ter- as terms of like samurai duty, um, but, yeah, but yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, and so what what is really cool about this movie is that we have this perception of Motome and and his him committing harakiri, and then little do we know as we go through the backstory, we learn that he is actually arguably more honorable and has an even stronger sense of honor and duty. Mm-hmm. of a samurai than all those other samurai. And and I don't want to necessarily just walk through the, the entire story uh, frame by frame, mm-hmm. but we learn that, oh, Motome is, he he technically was bluffing. He technically was going there to get money. And but, everyone knew it. And uh, Yes, and everyone knew it. But what we don't realize and what we learn over like an hour's worth of the backstory is that he had, um, he was a poor teacher he marries a young girl um, because they loved each other and they have a baby and the the whole area is in poverty um, and and he at first didn't want to marry um, the young girl whose name is Miho 
um, and they grew up as childhood friends. And he's like, I don't want to marry her because I can't take care of her. I don't make enough money. I'm just a teacher. Um, but the, but Miho's father was like, no, we, I love you. And, and I've helped raise you kind of as a stepdad. Um, and I'd love you to marry my daughter. And so they do, and they have a loving young marriage. Um, and then they have a baby and then I can't remember who gets sick first. If it's the, the wife, mo- if it's it, tuberculosis, I think she gets something She's coughing up blood, right? Something respiratory. Yeah. And so um, she gets deathly ill and then, and so and then they, Motome, yeah. it has to do, has to take care of her. And he is like, to the point of like, he's selling his books that he's teaching from. Right. And these are like samurai, you know, treasured material. Sure. Um, so, and, and I think he taught Confucius. Yeah. I don't know if that's the first movie or the second version, but he yeah. teaches. So, I mean, yeah. he's... And, and, and his house is falling apart and he's patching his walls with pages of the book. His his books. Yeah. Um. There's one scene in in the the remake where he buys some eggs. Like he sells these books, and then he goes and buys some eggs from the guy. You know, the guy. You know, walking around like you know, eggs for sale. You know, and and these kids are running around. They run into him, and he drops them. And yes, and and, he, and I want to give some backstory to this of like this family like lives on like tea and rice. Yeah. Like they have nothing yeah they're living in a shack and and yeah you mentioned like he's patching up his house with paper and and they also but they also live in so they are samurai living in a community that is not samurai right so they are living as like outsiders among the common among the common people which is even more disgraceful and so these kids they run into him and he drops the eggs and they fall on the ground and break yeah. And he stoops down and slurps rotten egg well, off raw of, egg. Raw yes, raw egg off of dirt. Yeah. And you know, and and eats it and like because that's because his food. That's his food. Right. And and that's that's it. I mean, some of us, you know, we, we can't imagine even drinking, you know, raw egg in of itself, but slurping <laughs> it off of the dirty like just like it's not like the dirty floor, it's like the actual dirt. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, you know, the dirt pathway, you know, like that's, that's just insane to us. I remember you telling me that that was a, a, a moment in the movie that really stood out to you yeah. personally, Yeah, that kind of impacted you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but this is just a picture of how impoverished they are. Mm-hmm. And then on top of this, his wife is sick and they have like a newborn baby, newborn baby. and she's like, maybe gonna die. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, or can't take care of the baby. And the, and then the baby gets sick, the baby gets and he sick. stops nursing. And then she, well, and, and then she is sick and her, you know, she can't nurse him cause she's sick, yeah. you know, and, and all of that. And so, and so, you know, um, Multima is, is like saying like i i gotta do something and so like that's why he's he's like and you know he's sold his books he sells and, and there's a, a scene in the movie when the guy you know he's selling his books to he's like you know you got them fancy swords there you know hmm. um and he was insulted that you know he would even mention that right because in that culture you know that a samurai is not supposed to sell their swords yeah but these are also the common people that are like they don't care about that or, or yeah. value that you know yeah um but yeah. And so and so what we realize as this story progresses is that he he does end up selling his swords mm-hmm. because he values his role as a husband and a father yeah. to take care of his family more than his social status. Yeah. And so what we start to realize is that Motome is not a pathetic um boy. 
Yeah. But he is actually a man who takes responsibility for his family way more seriously than his than the appearance of being a noble samurai. Yeah. And he is more interested in actually being noble to take care of his family more than appearing noble by having his swords on him and whatever. And yeah. so he, I mean, it's the last thing he does, but he gets so desperate to take care of his family. And they can't afford a doctor. And he is probably... So he sells his swords to get some money so they can eat. And he's probably like 18, 20 years, yeah, 19, 18, 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. And so the other thing is he, there, there's some aspect aspect of it where he does still seem like a boy. Yeah. And so, but in it, but the way that it's presented, it's like, it's, it's almost unfair to expect him to be this cold, uh, in a uh, ruthless samurai, hmm. um, to where even, him being pathetic or like, well, okay, well, why don't you go and do this? Why don't you do that? You know, it's like he, he was, he's, he's ignorant in a lot of ways. And, and like you, you, you credit him with that. Like you, you don't hold it against him as, as the, the viewer. Um, and, and, uh, you're, you're sympathetic or, or at least empathetic, uh, to him. Um, and so like he, uh, you know they're they're scrambling like what do we do what do we do I uh, I need to I talk to the doctor and I uh, like he has to get three uh, three real um, which I think I, I'm trying to look it up here but I think it's like the equivalent of like three hundred dollars or you know something oh, yeah something or or it was either something so small that they couldn't pay for or the doctor was asking way way too much that it was just an insane unfair un, un, an unfair amount yeah. because they're samurai so they should be able to handle it or whatever like that okay um and so they're trying to figure out and he says. I have an idea. And then he disappears. And then, um, when they're telling the backstory, um, he says, you know, like I, I have an idea and then he leaves and then it doesn't come back, but you've already watched the spooku happen as the viewer of the movie. And when you're seeing it from the other, you know, the, the other side, the other side, they're like, where is he? Where did he go? Uh, and then you put it together and right. he, he just comes back. Um, but the, the, the other thing to know is like, no one is happy. The the people that carried him back to um, you know his family, they weren't happy. They were crying. They were so upset. Like everyone is so upset about this tragedy of tragedies that has happened. Right. And yeah. And so he he did he reduced himself to like I'm gonna actually try to do a harakiri bluff. Yeah. But not because. I'm feeling self-pity, but it's like, no, my wife and my baby are literally dying and I'm going to do whatever it takes to mm -hmm. pay for a doctor. Yeah. And then, and then, so then when the house calls him on his bluff and they're like, oh, you pathetic kid who wants some money, we're going to make you do Harakiri. He, 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 oh, and I, I actually forgot that another thing that added to the appearance of patheticness is that when they say you're going to commit harakiri he starts begging to like um please don't make me actually do it please let me like have a day to go say goodbye to my family yeah and that's another thing at the beginning that makes him look really pathetic yeah. is like they're like you want to do harakiri you're going to do harakiri and then immediately he gets all frantic and is like uh can i please can i just give me a day to you know go see my family and they're like wow really no, but then we realize from the backstory, like, oh no, he's got like a dying family at home, yeah, and he just wants to at least go say bye. And so what we see is this kind of tension almost mm -hmm. of like he he did get desperate enough to where he was gonna bluff, and that's mm -hmm. why he was there to get money. 
But when they called his bluff, he still had enough sense of honor that he was going to do it and fulfill his word to the house, mm-hmm. which is kind of a weird tension. Um, I, I, when I w- saw that part, I saw he was just like, oh no, I got to get out of here. Like that's, that's at least how I interpreted it. Uh-huh. Of like, if he could, he would have like ran away. Uh, it would be even more disgraceful because like he doesn't want to die. Yeah, um, if that's he would, how I interpret. I guess it. yeah, if he would have physically tried to run away, they probably would have just chased him down and killed him on the street. Yeah, is probably what would have happened. Yeah, um, but I mean, he was feel fearful for his life, and and um, you know, as part of the ceremony, they uh, they give you a they give you white, <laughs> um, yeah, kimono or whatever whatever it's called. Um, you know, the, the 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 clothing the clothing that they wear. They give you a meal that is ceremonious. Um, and even at, at the end of that, uh, as, as he's, you know, dead and, and delivered back to his family, we see that he has the, this little rice cake that is very, you know, uh, delicate and ornate and, and beautiful. It looks like a, a, a green leaf. Um, we, we see that he has wrapped it up and has kept it in his, um, in his jacket Yeah, and his wife opens it up. And like it's covered in blood, you know, because he's, you know, right. So he commits Arakiri, and then the attendants of the house just like carry his dead body back to his house. And they're like, and here's your husband. uh, And they said they did send him the money, though. They did give him 300, uh, three real, and and give that to. Right. They like drop off his dead body. Here's the money that he asked for. uh, Bye. And it's like, holy crap. It's like yeah. this wife is dying and her kid's dying, yeah. and she and, didn't and know she where. Si- he- well, and she sits there and opens up and is eating it. It's covered in her husband's blood. But the like, rice cake. The rice cake. Yeah. But like he saved that for her because his family is dying. Yeah. You know, you you see how desperate. Yeah. They are and how much he loved his family. Yeah. In that, which is just insane. Yeah. But then to make matters worse, we now then get another. Um, uh, perspective or a deeper view into the samurai of the house yeah. that made him uh, commit Harakiri. So now we flash back up to present time and Hanshiro, who is the original Ronin at the beginning of the movie, who said, I want to commit Harakiri. The Lord is telling Hanshiro this story of like, hey, this is what happened to Motome. And then we get the backstory of Motome and we realize that, oh, he, Motome is actually a very honorable um, uh, samurai. Mm-hmm. And then we learn that Hanshiro then reveals he's he's in the courtyard and he's like going to commit Harakiri supposedly. And he goes, actually, Motome is my son-in-law. Yeah. And the dying daughter is, is his daughter. Right. And he's like, actually, I know this story and that's kind of why I'm here. Yeah. And then the, our mind is like, holy crap. And, like, then, and, then, in the, and then in the remake, I think it immediately flashes back to when... Uh, Motome and 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 uh, Miho are, are are children. Yeah. And when um, uh, Hanshiro and the uh, who's the other Chijiwa, uh guy? I can't remember um, his name. Uh, Motome's father um, and Hanshiro are are war buddies. 
um, from from before. And so when it, it flashes back to the situation where they're building the wall and and, and all of that, and and he's taking care of him, and they and they're talking about war stories, and you know, and it's just, you can tell it's this very deep uh, relationship that they have. And then uh, Multibase father, you know, uh, has a stroke and, and dies. And he says, you know, promise to take care of uh, Multimate for me. And like, you know, he marries, you know, he, he allows, uh, you know, him to marry his his daughter. And uh, you also learn how like they were struggling and, and um, Hanshiro is saying, it's like, hey, it's okay. Just just ask me like if you need anything, like I'll, I'll like it's it's okay. And 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 Hanshiro, like you can tell that he has he has let he has a bit more progressive um views of like it's it's like you're in poverty. It's okay to ask for help. Like it's not just progressive for progressive si- for sixteen thirty. <laughs> for sixteen thirty. Yeah, or sixteen nineteen or whatever. <laughs> in in this uh very strict caste system yeah. you know yeah um he's saying you know telling his his son-in-law you know like it's 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 more than okay to ask for help you know just ask me just let me know um and i think uh Multime, he doesn't um because he doesn't want to disgrace his, his yeah and he's his, trying to be self-reliant he's trying to be self-reliant and, and all, all of these things yeah um but yeah so you learn that uh Hanshiro was you know was there when Multime says, I have an idea. I'll be right back. Right. And so, you know, uh, uh, Miho and, and, um, Hunter are trying to like take care of the baby because the baby is like coughing and like having, you know, um, a fit of it, its sickness and stuff. And so they're saying like, where is he? Where has he been? Uh, you know? Uh, and then, you know, and so, yeah. so yeah, so you, you see that he, um, he actually knows the whole story. And, and I think, I think Hunter had his bamboo swords. Yes, because they brought they brought his bamboo swords back with his body. Yes, um, yes. But when and when Hanshiro went to the house to to oh. request Harakiri, he brought those swords. Oh, to prove it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. And the other thing I was going to lead to. Is, okay, so mind blowing moment. Hanshiro is Motome's father in law. Holy cow! He actually knows the whole backstory. But then on top of that, Hanshiro reveals that he found the three samurai Mm -hmm. that wanted to make an example of Motome. Yeah. The three samurai that were like, no, Motome is this pathetic kid who's bluffing Harakiri. We are going to stand for honor and we're going to make him, we're going to call his bluff and actually make him commit Harakiri so that we can uphold the sanctity of the samurai ways and and the sanctity of harakiri as a as a ceremony Mm -hmm. and so hanshiro goes and finds those three samurai who made um motome commit harakiri and he essentially duels them one by one and he finds them in different situations and these are the best samurai of the house of the house right yeah uh hikikuro uh hiato and uh umenosuke like these are the three top guys who have um you know they've killed the most people they're the the best skilled swordsmen most ruthless most ruthless samurai that you know the, the cream of the crop that this house has to offer right so if anyone should understand samurai honor it should be these three warriors yes and so hanshiro finds them and he doesn't kill them he does something worse <laughs> he cuts the top knot yes of their hair their head hair off and keeps it like a like a trophy. Yes. And so um, 
I, I rewatched the early version of the movie and they kind of explain explicitly like the meaning of the top knot. I don't know if they do that in the later version. They don't, but you know that it is. It's a symbol it of the samurai's ways. Like they way they wear their hair in a certain way to symbolize that they're samurai. Yes. And you don't, I don't know. It's like a cowboy in his hat. It's like, you don't mess with a cowboy's hat yeah. because that's like his honor. Yeah. I guess similar to his katana yeah. sword. And, uh, Hanshiro requested for Hikikuro as his second. Right. When he's, when he's there and they ready. say, we can't find him. And so he said, what about Hiato? Yeah. And, and they say, we can't find him either. And he said, what about, uh, Umenosuke? And he's like, oh, we can't find him either. And so, like he's the 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 lord is like go find these guys like were they out too late you know are they drunk like what is going on like what go and find them and so they're in the courtyard and he said we can't find them and then he opens up his um Hanshiro opens, Hanshiro up, his opens up his robe and throws a top knot out and then throws another one out and it throws another one out he says i think you'll find them right here and 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 throws them out yeah. and then also throws the money out and the other thing we missed is that when they go looking for those three samurai they all say i'm sick yeah they had called in sick yeah and so but then hanshiro is like actually they're not sick they're at home hiding because their top knots got cut off and yeah. they don't want to show up in public and be humiliated and by the fact that they were overcome in in a duel, right? They they lost in a battle, and now they would be embarrassed to look this way. The other thing is that I'm as far as I remember, none of these three men saw war either, right? And, and Hanshiro, earlier you were saying they were the best warriors. I think yeah. that's not actually true. I think they I were th the best warriors between just the houses, is what they can spar you know do for dueling and sparring. I, yes, I recently watched it. They said that these are the best swordsmen. Swordsmen. So yeah. the, so these are. So these three samurai are not ones that have seen war. They're students. They're just the best students in yeah. the house because there is no war yeah. at this time. It's a time of peace. And Hanshiro easily bested them sure. because he, he is a great swordsman um, and, and all and of those he things. Actually was and he has, in actually war. was in war yeah. and just totally demolishes these guys. Yeah. And, and so, but anyway, what we're realizing is not only does Hanshiro know the backstory, he went and found the best students beat them in duel mm -hmm. and then revealed that they were so concerned about their public appearance that they weren't even willing to leave their house and go about their samurai duties of showing up to work of participating in at least helping facilitate this harakiri ceremony mm -hmm. they were so concerned with appearances that if their hair got cut wrong they weren't even going to, they were going to completely abdicate their duties as samurai yeah. because it would make them appear less than so. Whereas Motome fulfilled his samurai duty with a bamboo sword. Right. Right. And, and didn't, and did so and didn't need to explain why he's such a great samurai or he didn't flaunt anything. He, right. He fulfilled it in such a way as, to do it without needing the public recognition, mm -hmm. whereas those other three, um, the other three samurai only cared about public recognition. Yeah. They were happy to make Motome commit Harakiri so that the house would seem like an upstanding house that believes in Harakiri and believes in samurai values. Mm -hmm. But then when they had a moment where their top knot was cut off, 
they completely abandon all of that because it would make them appear not very samurai like. Yeah. And so and so this this whole story and these like all of these kind of um subplots all kind of climax at the end where Han Shiro goes, "No, I actually know all of this. I know the backstory and I and I am demonstrating the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of this house and and I'm here to to basically tell you guys how hypocritical you are and I don't know to gain revenge for what you've well, done and and he's he's bringing it to the Lord and saying like do you have no sense of humanity and he he responds to him and is like like humanity like what what childish notions or what you know it's like we we are beyond that there is duty and like duty only um the the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie um start off by viewing uh this armor that is samurai armor that is um i don't know if it's worn in battle but it looks you know, you know it's very uh, ornate it, it's very ornate yeah colorful it looks, it looks like a, in, in the new one it's this red demon uh, armor, you know, that has the big sharp horns, the the angry oni face. Um, yeah. You know, it's very menacing, and but it's very beautiful and how ornate it is. Right. Um, but it symbolizes the their culture. It's like and, the mascot of the house. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, and, and it's it's their most treasured, um, you know, um, possession. I possession guess. relic uh, or um, you know just. Um, it's, it's, it's a very, um, I forget, I don't know if it's from a specific period or it, may, it could be even from the war, you know, that they had all fought in previously. Um, but keeping, you know, it's like your boss's sports car or something, you know, it's like you keep <laughs> this polished and perfect and it's a symbol of everything else that should be going on in the house. You know, it's a, it's a monument. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, the movie ends where Han Shiro is like, and this, and you guys are all hypocrites. And then the Lord is like, uh, okay, I don't like what you're saying. And he tells all the samurai in the room to just kill him. And it basically just ends with a big battle scene of Han Shiro fighting a whole... With the bamboo swords. Well, yeah. And oh. winning. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he kills a few samurai, but they eventually um, kill him. Yeah. But in the course of that battle, he knocks over the armor... Um, because the battle is just like going throughout the house and he's running around yeah. and they're chasing him. Um, but I don't know if this happens in the new movie, but in the old movie, the samurai don't actually kill him with their swords. Th- they are so bested by, there's like 40 of these guys yeah. against this one old Running dude. around in like a house with yeah. walls. You know, it's not like <laughs> and it's they just still can't get Well, it's also crazy because like you, you're, in, you're in close quarters with swords, you yeah, know? Sure. It's like, yeah. that's, that's also but, crazy, but, but yeah. But to add uh, insult to injury, um, in the old movie, they just shoot him. Yeah. They just pull out muskets and shoot him from across the room because they can't kill him as samurais. Yeah. And the new one, he basically just lets it happen after a while. I okay. mean, he gives a long monologue and everything as, and as talking at, at them, but eventually he just ends up letting it happen. Yeah. And I, and I, and then in the old one, they immediately go to like, okay, Lord, we, they go to the Lord cause he had ran away and they're reporting to him and they're like, okay, uh, we killed him. Like, what do we do? And he's like, okay, take this down for the record. They're like, all of the samurai that died uh, today were died from illness. Hanshiro commit died from Harakiri. Like they immediately start rewriting the history books yeah. to lie about what happened to preserve their honor. Mm-hmm. And so you just got get this sickening feeling of like, wow, like this house has committed this terrible atrocity 
and they've heard the whole story of, of, of their hypocrisy, and then they kill him and just cover it up. But the other side of it is that it's not menacing. It's not like, oh, it's so evil. Oh, we got It's like everyone is in disbelief. And you can tell that the Lord is saying it out of fear. Yeah, he's scared. He's scared. Right. So. And so you you feel empathy for everybody, even the bad guys, of just like this culture, this system, or you know, this this governmental uh, you know way of life is so um, not just toxic in an emotional sense, but just like people are dying and are rewriting history because that's so disgraceful. Uh, just what has happened. Like, yeah, they don't want to own up to what they've done. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I don't think the movie is trying to garner empathy for the the authoritarian lords and stuff. Maybe maybe you to came me, away with to that? Me, to me, it's unavoidable. Okay. Um, like, you, you can't but so you feel for for them in in that regard so because you, there's because there's tension between you know the the person who's writing the stuff down and the other guy you know they're going back and forth of like how can you say this or how can we is you know or they're just in disbelief you know they may not dare re, you know respond back to him but you can see on their face that they're they're appalled interesting so you're seeing them as also victims yes. of of the feudal system yeah. or the samurai religion yeah. or maybe both, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I could, I don't know if you could argue if I could make a maybe strong less case. so in the old one, but it definitely in, well, no, I think in that one scene in the old one, they, they, they were, they were appalled. I do agree with you that they were acting out of fear. Yes. But I think it's, it's the wrong kind of fear because they're scared of their public appearance. And yeah. so, if, well, because they also, they have the Shogun to report to. Right. And they make that more explicit in the new movie because yeah. they actually have a scene where like the Shogun who is shows even up higher up and everything like after it just cuts after he, he dies, it cuts to the armor is clean as if nothing has happened. Right. They put it back up. And then the Shogun comes in or, or maybe not even the Shogun himself, but a representative of the Shogun. Yeah. Um, I think it was the Shogun. Uh, comes in and uh, they're all, you know, uh, organized and everything's clean and everything. And he's like... Uh, and he's praising he's them. He's praising them saying and saying that like, you've done a fine job of, of uh, in this hard time, you know, keeping, you know... The armor is ar- clean. The armor is clean. You and, guys are... And you guys yeah. are a perfect example of what it means to be samurai. Right. And then the movie just ends. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Um, the and and then we especially I guess in the new one with with the thing with the building the wall I think I think it was that they didn't have specific instruction to build the wall but if they didn't build the wall like the city would like fall apart or like be invaded or something like that so they were building it anyway um, but then the shogun didn't say to do that so then uh, it was a disgrace um, and so there's more connection there in terms of how um, you do not disrespect or go against the shogun um in any way as, especially just with you know Multimate's uh, father dying of you know dying of stress yeah interesting so you're so you're viewing the villain as not necessarily the samurai and the lord of the house yeah but the, i think they're victims also the you're viewing the villains as the bureaucrats above them who are dictating down to them to uphold uh superficial uh, things the way of life in of itself to me it's not it, it's not even it's not a, a people it's the way of life 
and they're a victim to the way of life. Because I've, for me, I feel a lot of it is lost in in uh, lack of communication and missing information of like this person said to do, and and they, when you have such separation and such fear and control like that, you can live in that type of dictatorship and and enjoy it because, like, um, you know, you, you, you. they, when you have that level of control, you can be such a tyrant as a leader, um, and which I, I would believe is pretty despicable. Um, but um, just inherently, I would say, no, I'm not against the, the bureaucracy, but the, uh, as, as a people um, themselves, but just like in the, in terms of the, the system, it's showing, I, I believe that it's showing how the, the system is so uh, broken and so, um, inhuman and in in, in in such in so many ways yeah i don't know i think that's just interesting because i think i think it's easy to point to a nebulous system or the nebulous culture and be like that's the problem but i don't know on the other hand like these are supposed to be warriors yes and they're supposed to be living a lifestyle that is not based in fear Mm-hmm. And where they have the courage to stand up against opposition, they have courage to do what's right in the face of evil. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I, I have way less sympathy or empathy for for the house because they, they're supposed to be warriors who can stand up for what's right. And even if that means they have to stand up against their own authorities, um, because there is a lot of autonomy... Because you were saying earlier, like there's very disconnected communication, it, and they're it's, physically separated. Right, like they have it, to send a guy on a horse to go and deliver a message, and then he has to come back. You exactly. Know? Right. So it's it's. I mean, it's it's the early 1600s. So yeah. so the, uh, there's autonomy because like you just physically cannot check in with people because you're you're across you yeah. know a, a long distance. But yeah. I don't know. I guess I just have less sympathy because they're supposed to be courageous warriors who stand up for what's right and live by principle yeah not live by well, and i think bureaucratic dictates well and i think those principles are easy to enforce when you are a cold tyrannical superior um and so it's easy to point the finger at like the 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 higher up is the bad guy they just don't understand and they're the but you zoom in on that and you find another person who has the same feeling? <laughs> I'm getting, uh, I'm getting, uh, like the image of the is it the an album art of of Muse where it's like a guy with a controller yeah. controlling a like a head and then like a controller on his head and it just goes up and up and up and it's like you act like the person above you is this evil lord but actually he's just a puppet for the next guy up who is yeah. just a puppet for the next guy up. Yeah, but I don't know. I just. I feel like it, it's got to end somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I feel like regardless... It usually at, ends with the guy who lives in luxury and just moves things around with his whims. Sure, the guy you in know? the ivory tower. Yeah, the ivory tower. Yeah, but I don't know. I still f- feel at the same time, you know, there has to be a sense of personal responsibility yeah. despite someone above you who maybe wants to control you or whatever. Which Hanshro embodies. Sure very directly right because he's willing to go to the house and act like he wants to commit harakiri and probably was going to do it if they made him do it but like had had i think he would have killed everybody else first well maybe so but he he had the guts to walk in there and 
tell the house what's what, which is what he yeah. did. And so, yeah. so he does embody that. But the point of him doing that is to say that they should have been the same type of noble warriors. Yeah. And so, I, th- I don't know. I feel like the narrative of the movie is telling the audience that the house should have been that type of warrior and they mm-hmm. wouldn't and they had the ability to do it well and, and i think and and it's yeah. not that it's not that they shouldn't have been afraid of public perception it's that they should have had the courage to do the right thing despite the fear of yeah. public perception and there's a there's a different angle but there's neither of them took was how Hanshiro has seen war, and the Lord has also probably seen war. Right, because he's an old guy. none of these other kids have seen war. Sure. And so they're, like, training them in this almost simulation, and there's so much disgraces and uh, all these things that are happening in the simulation that is practice that isn't even real life. It isn't even real war Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the samurai way. Sure. And so um, it even, you know, cannibalizes itself. Um, and so they didn't really go too deep into that. Um, I can't remember any parts specifically, but like, that's an additional part where, um, there's even places where Hanshiro and and the Lord, uh, could have connected and say like, is this really what it means to be a samurai? You know? Um, and they, Mm. they still even couldn't see eye to eye on, on the little bit that they did, you know, dialogue on that. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it's just, yeah, and it's. I like how the movie presents a tension between principles that you say you never want to, that principles that you say you want to live by, and I'm never going to compromise my principles. Mm-hmm. But then, what happens when we present? When it actually comes down to that, when we present a situation where it's like, if you stand by your quote unquote principles, you are the bad guy, and probably invalidating all of your other principles. Right. When yeah, so when when do two noble principles come into conflict? Yeah. Of like I need to take care of my family, but I also need to uphold the sanctity of the samurai ways. Yeah. So what happens when those two things come into conflict? Yeah. And you can't just act like that's an easy problem to solve. Yeah. I mean even you know like when 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 the politicians need need healthcare, you know, like even in in those situations, and admitting poverty as someone who's supposed to be a uh, an aristocrat in a lot of ways, um, you know, and it's and it's not because the other thing is like they weren't excommunicated. That's not the reason why he was a Ronin, you know, and, and I don't know how much he even was a Ronin, um, you know. He he was, you know, he, he was just poor. He was just in poverty, um, and so. It was just a tragedy of tragedies, mm-hmm. and um, there is something to be said for being made an example and allowing things to, you know, being. Uh, we even see that in the Bible of, you know, biblical punishment of using people as an example, um, and so that in of itself is I, I don't believe is inherently wrong. Sure. There is a function for that. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, usually the, the, the thing is that if you're going to make an example out of someone, you should be operating by the principles that you are subjecting someone else to. And so, you know, Jesus teaches that judge lest ye be judged. Mm -hmm. And so that a lot of people say like the Bible says, don't judge. It's like, it doesn't say that it says judge, but know that you are going to be judged by the same standard by which you judge. And also probably no one should judge because we all have fallen and all, and we are all deserving of 
the same judgment. That's kind of the... So it, it's not to disarm you, because there is something to be said against that, because you don't want to say, like, well, I can't judge because I did this wrong. It's like, well, no... You, there's still a standard of there's morality. There's still a standard of morality, and you can be in authority and under authority. and, and Simultaneously. And simultaneously, and we all, don't just all devolve into the pit of, uh, of nothingness or a pit, pit of apathy. Um, you know, there is, there is more to be given, but, um, that also comes with God given authority, not man given authority in terms of him being able to, 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 to orchestrate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm also just like the, the samurai of the house in the movie just remind me of Pharisees. Yeah. And, and that, exactly. is, and it's kind of the Japanese version of that, of like the Pharisees in, in, in the gospels of the Bible, are these people that only care about public appearance and Jesus gets onto them repeatedly and is aggressively uh, speaks against them about how hypocritical they are, about how pathetic they are because they care so much about appearing righteous, but actually care nothing and, about living up to it well, and I, on a personal level. I believe that they do believe in the law. Sure. They don't solely believe in a, using the law to take advantage of people, um, you know. Uh, but I, I would say that along with being, if you only have the law, you are missing out on just life of the life that Christ desired, uh, desired for us to live. And so it's very easy to devolve into... Um, legalism and, and humanism in a lot of ways. Right. Well, and well, what happens though, is that you equate righteousness with checking the boxes. Yeah. And that's the whole premise of the pharisaical lifestyle and if is you can't, the better you check the boxes, the better person you are. And the better you look like you check the boxes, the less you probably even have to do that because you just have to give an image. Right. Exactly. And, and, and the phrase, one of the phrases that Jesus uses is that you strain out a gnat but you swallow a camel. And so like you, you get all wound up about like, okay, I got to like make sure that my prayer tassels look right. And I got to make sure that, you know, I follow this rule and da, 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 da. Meanwhile, there's this gaping um, thing that you're overlooking in terms of just basic having mercy on someone and or basic kindness. And it doesn't that, have to be based out of hubris or just, or, or just out of like, oh, wow, you're so arrogant that like you care so much like you you know you're so ocd about your stupid little tassel it's like you are so fundamentally missing the point right it's like yeah the tassels are a thing like keep it straight you know like look the way you're supposed to look be put together but like if someone if if your uh if your sheep falls in the hole like are you gonna not gonna pull them out of there like it's kind of your livelihood you right know? and that's one of the situations where jesus heals the man um i I want to say with a shriveled hand or something. And the Pharisees were like, oh, Jesus is doing work on the Sabbath. You're healing someone. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Like, you're so wound up about this don't work on the Sabbath that you're just going to let someone be sick and you're not going to help them. Yeah. And this is like an example of like straining out a gnat, but then you're swallowing a camel of like, yeah. you're, you're, this has become a show and you're completely missing the point of the law, which is about loving your neighbor. Like Jesus says, if you want to sum up the Jewish law, it's love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And then when you become so obsessed with making sure you pray in public and have really nice prayer tassels and you don't actually care for other people, we are 
what you just said, Jared, of like, we're now just missing the whole point of, yeah. of this I think system. I think it's important to humanize the, well, it's interesting because a lot of the judgments that Jesus uses against the Pharisees is dehumanizing or p- polarizing of, of the Pharisees and says, you get nothing, you get no credit, you get no chances, you get no sympathy, you get no empathy, you get no, there's nothing good about you. Hmm. You know, he gives them no credit, no credit. Yeah. And even to the extent of like in, in Jude, you know, it talks about like there are people who came in condemned from the beginning or like, uh, you know, you want to talk about predestination. I, th- I think you can be a little bit eclectic and locally true or, you know, subjectively true and say that like you are evil as if you are evil from the beginning of time to the end of time. Um, and, and you are judged as such. You know, if we say sin is sin, if you go to hell, you go to hell. Like that's, that's, that's it. Whether you were good or not, it's all garbage because, um, you know, um, because you, you, you've done these, these atrocities. Um, and so, and I'm not following your point. What are you, what are you saying about that? I'm saying that there's the one side where I think it's important to humanize the the Pharisees or, or the bad guy so and say that like there is some legitimate misunderstanding here. So they they are innocently ignorant because maybe they were raised up in a system that missed the point. Yes, and so they cannot be personally responsible for missing the point. Well, they if they, they do w- that, and yet they are still personally responsible for it. Okay. So there's 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 both. So it, and it it is. It is an unfair. So you're talking and, about you could look at it as like an honest mistake kind of situation. Kind of situation, but in that honest mistake, you always have a decision. Every single time you honestly make a mistake, you right. always have the decision. You could be blindly making it, which kind of makes it even more unfair. But I, as far as what I see in scripture, in some places, it even says like, "Well, too bad." Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, I can't necessarily quote all of the gospels right now, but like, I can't think of any passages where Jesus is like, well, let me explain this to you. And, and, and they had the law, they knew they should have known. And they also like, if anyone should have known, it should have been them. Yeah. And if, and if even without the law, they should have had just a sense of a sense of basic basic brotherly human love love. for other people. (laughs) Yes. in their hearts at the least. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, Jesus does tell a lot of parables and he does speak with the Pharisees about their hypocrisy and they only get more stubborn and, and develop more hatred for him. Yeah. And so even if you want to even try to stretch and see how far you can push the idea of being sympathetic and empathetic for the Pharisees, they kind of refute that they themselves. Keep, they keep outdoing themselves. Right. They get more hypocritical. They get more angry about being called out about it. Ram- Rambo. I don't know if you've seen the first Rambo. Movie. I haven't. No. Um, but I mean, we, we it, it's about this guy who is just wanting to like, he is a war vet. He just wants to live in the woods. Just like leave him alone. Just let him live in the woods. <laughs> okay. But there's this these guys who are like I think they're like park rangers. And they're like, no, we got to get this guy. Like he can't do that. You know, um, he's living on hmm. our land. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, a national park or something like that. And they go out and and like he was like it's and it's it's 
Rambo. Um, and he is like fighting back, just trying to like, he just wants to be by himself. Hmm. Uh, and he, uh, but he was in like the Vietnam war and he makes like, he like sharpens sticks as like a spike trap. And like, it's, it's this whole elaborate primitive, you know, thing, <laughs> you know, uh, to, and, and, uh, you know, it's, but you see this, the, the, the bad guy there is, is very polarized to just like, no, we're going to get him and we're going to destroy him and we're going to, you know, uh, it's, it's very, uh, so by polarized, you mean, it's just like, he's very one-sided. It's one-sided okay, evil. Yeah. I'm going to get him. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to, we can't, it's zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that is for the very purpose of control. Um, and the Pharisees, um, exemplify that. Um, and Jesus says to the Pharisees that you load these, and he says this metaphorically, that you load these heavy burdens on people of like, you, you tell, like the Pharisees are telling all these people to follow the law, but they're not willing to lift a finger to help. Yeah. And so Jesus even speaks to this idea of like, not only are you just like peacocking around and trying to look all righteous, but you're burdening other people in the process almost as a way to make yourself look more righteous. Yeah, because if if they were loading the people and be like, yeah, man, like these rules, these are really hard. Like, okay, can we, let's help you. You know, it's like, that would even be better. It's like, okay, you can clear up like, hey, actually let's let's, make this a little easier or make this, get to the real heart of the issue, which is actually even harder, um, (laughs) you know. But like, um, if there was any uh, ounce of uh, caring for 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 the people you know that would be um you could something work to that. latch on to yeah i think it's just very clear yeah in when you read through the gospels that the pharisees were more or less uh far gone like the yeah. like they they were not going to they were as if they were reasonable. condemned from the beginning yes yeah they were acting yeah like they were um Gosh, I almost want to say irredeemable, but they yeah. they conducted themselves as such. As such. And so it's hard to see it any other way. Yeah. Because they literally then were like, we're gonna we're gonna and the crucify Roman, him. And the Romans didn't even care. It was like, who's this guy? You right, know? yeah. The Romans don't care. Yeah. Um and, and Pilate, and that was clear when Pilate, yeah. he's like he's like, I wash my hands of this guy. Like, I don't care about this guy, but you Pharisees seem really uptight about this, so yeah. whatever. Yeah, do what you gotta um, do. But yeah, it's it's really the Pharisees who crucified Jesus, yeah. and just the Romans just happened to be the the grunts who did the physical thing. Yeah. But but yeah, but it's just yeah, it, and I think that's part of the power of Harakiri is that um, it's displaying ideas and and things that are of biblical proportion. Yeah. Which I think is why the movie hits so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and could you tell the same story? without a, the gruesomeness of Harakiri. I don't think you, you could. I'm sorry, I'm kind yeah. of answering my own question of like, I think you could, but it doesn't have the same effect. And I also don't think you could tell it Americanized. Hmm. I don't think you could tell it in an American story. I mean... Um, because you're saying the the Japanese culture... Yes. Uh, frames the the message of the story in a way that American yeah. culture can't frame it. It doesn't do that. It values individualism, whereas the samurai, there is no individual. Right. You are a machine. You are an idea, even. Sure, but yes, you're an idea, and 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 it's not even you are an idea, but it's we are an idea. Yeah, like and so you don't even get the honor of being an of being referred <laughs> to as an individual. Sure, but 
yes, and the the strictness and the rigidness of the Japanese culture, I think, is more believable. Whereas in American culture, I don't think we even have anything nearly equivalent. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, I like, yeah, I think I agree with you that like you can't make an American version. Like, there's no cowboy version of this even, movie. And even even in the way the movie ends, I mean, it's supposed to just end. Sure. Like the guy comes back and says, "Oh, like you kept this thing, and it just ends." And and that that's the thing that is the cliffhanger, like that, or the the um, emotional unrest is something that is intentional. And and you see that in anime, you see that in lots of uh, more art films, especially. Um, I wouldn't call this movie specifically an art film, but like um, in in more sophisticated art, you the you as the viewer are left uh, with this feeling you know that you you just have to sit with that's the purpose of it that's the that's the uh emotion that the art is trying to bring you to is like and they killed him and then they changed history yeah see ya and and, and you process that and yeah there's no resolution to the dilemma yeah of like we have hypocritical authoritarian pharisaical um people groups systems what have you and that's life and that's yeah and it's like crap like now what do we do with that and so the yeah and i think that also is why the movie hits uh as hard as it does is because it doesn't resolve the problem for you yeah. it just makes the problem look huge and then it's like moot credits <laughs> and yeah and or it's like it's dwarfed by all the other problems that are just like it yeah um but that just have another good face in front of it yeah um, I'll just, uh, I'm going to throw out another idea. So one thing, so we, th I think there's a lot of biblical parallels to this story. I think it's possible that there's one part of the movie that is unbiblical. And I, and, and I want to bring this up because I've been listening to other podcasts of, of a Christian author talking about other movies and talking about this idea that, whether or not the oppressed or the victims have the right to get revenge for their oppression. Um, and, and the podcast I was listening to, they were talking about like the French revolution and Le, uh, Les Miserables where it's like, you have all these people that are miserable and they rise up and they're like, we are victims and we are going to chop off the heads of the oppressors. We're going to chop off the heads of the aristocrats and we are going to bring freedom and liberty mm -hmm. to this oppressed nation. And in the podcast I've been listening to, the author is saying like, that is not a Christian idea. Yes. And, and he's saying that he was talking about how like our Western culture is like in love with the drug that is revenge and vengeance. The, he calls it the holiness of victimhood. Like if yeah. you are oppressed or if you are a victim in any way, you are automatically on a higher moral standing. Yeah. And you have the right to do whatever it takes to level the playing field. Yeah. And and how that is not a Christian idea whatsoever. The Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's alone. Right. And so this and we don't want to say that, like, whatever comes your way, it's just your cross to bear. That's a wrong view. Sure. It is not, not true. There, there, are, well, yeah, there it, are actual tragedies that should not be, but there Right, is, we're not foregoing justice. Yeah, we're not foregoing justice, and we're not saying that, like, okay, justice exists, but you're not allowed to make it happen. <laughs> um, right. Because that's just disarming. Um, and so, but there is something... 
Yeah, I don't have I don't have notes on it or or, or an idea or, or you know an example to 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 articulate the idea, but the Bible does say that vengeance is the Lord's mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, and this is something that I'm still trying to personally wrap my mind around, and because what happens in the meantime? Exactly, and so like the so in Harakiri. Hanshiro gets some level of revenge because he goes back to the house. He tricks them into thinking that he doesn't know anything, but then actually he knows the whole story and he's here to get some well, revenge. He kills some of them and he kills them uh, uh, self defense, though. So well, he is attacked. Sure, but the audience is still is rooting for him. And right, is rooting he for is him. Justified. And it's like he has like if if he killed everyone in this house and the Lord and walked out of there victorious and didn't die. The, I, the narrative is setting it up so like he would be completely justified. Well, I I would just even had that happened, me as the viewer, I would have not been happy because then he is just the same. Well, he, but, right, but I, that maybe that's me understanding and maybe agreeing with more Eastern. I have less less Western, uh, you know, values in that sense of like. Oh, the 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 good guy wins, and it's like no. Sometimes the bad guy wins, and that's 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 a more believable story or compelling story because uh, it's more realistic. Well, sure, and it's realistic, but you're supposed to walk away from Harakiri fearing feeling tragic and feeling in angry at yeah. what has happened. Yeah. So. If it's resolved, then it just undermines that. It does undermine it, but the point is, is that you're supposed to, you're supposed to have a sense of justice, and then be sad and angry that That justice wasn't delivered. And so, Scripture is very clear that that there is justice, and God is the judge, and He is just in His dealings, Mm -hmm. and vengeance is the Lord's. But then what you said earlier is like, well, what does that mean for the victim and the oppressed in the meantime? Because if we don't see justice on earth or see justice in our situation, somehow God is still just, even when I feel like I have been legitimately wronged and I don't see any resolution or justice to my situation. And and if we look at what Jesus said, you know, if you're if someone strikes you, turn your other cheek. If they ask for this, you know, give them two. Right. They, you know, and so, and then on top of that, we also see everything that happened, you know, in the Psalms, all of David's pleadings with the Lord. And so I think, I, I don't think that Jesus hates justice, obviously. Right. But I think what he wants more is for us to go to him. And so, yes, justice is very important. Oppression is a very bad, but... What he desires from us is in our in the injustice, we don't resort to revenge and vengeance and justifying ourselves, but we bring ourselves even further lower before him mm-hmm. humbly mm-hmm. at saying, Lord, vindicate me or, or Lord, you know, help me like destroy my enemies, you know, have them fall on their faces, you know, all of the things that it says in, in Psalms. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny, actually, um, I've been working on memorizing Psalm three, um, and I'm not all the way, it's only like eight verses, but like the first half of it is like, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? They say, Lord, there are so many saying of me, like God will not deliver him. And then the next verse is like, but you God, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, yeah, I'm supposed to have this memorized, but I don't. But it's like, you are my strength. And it's like, I call out to the Lord. No, it's like, yeah. you are my shield, my glory. Um, I call out to the Lord and he hears me and he answers me. Yeah. And so like, there is a scriptural precedent for like, God hears our cries. Like scripture teaches that. And scripture does teach that God will bring justice to the oppressed and, and he will judge the oppressors. And we can be the agent of that but not out of our own response. We don't anoint ourselves. We don't anoint ourselves. We don't knight ourselves to there, be there the deliverers of justice. There are some things we do have the authority to tend what we have been given, sure. to steward what we've been given, to make decisions, to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, but then there are other situations where, um, well, even in that, we have to be very careful about how much we rely on our own understanding. It's good to have your own understanding. It's good to steward your understanding and to be able to uh, keep track of and tend to more things. Right. You know, that is a good thing. We see that in the parable of the talents. So who, who has been given much, more will be added. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but on top, in, in, the, uh, in, in, in the midst of all of that or in spite of all of that, the Lord desires to have a relationship with us, um, regardless. You know, there's no situation where it's like I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and I'm learning more, and I'm getting ranking up here, and they're like, and I'm, I'm good. You know, it's like I, I uh, you know, God is good, and God has been blessing me with more and more and more, um, and you could legitimately be doing a good job, but, um, and you can't say that like, oh well, they're gonna slip up somewhere. It's like they might not. They might be doing good, just good, but they still missed it entirely because the Lord wants, desires relationship. And, and, and then the Lord uses, um, uh, failure and destruction to show us how even the, the ladder that we've climbed does not get us to heaven. It does not, uh, fulfill us, does not sustain us. And he will bring in destruction and pull it out from under us to show us that, this is just, this is something that comes and goes, but you have to be, put your strength in me, in him. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, I just think that's a whole topic that I think Harakiri brings up. And I think that the narrative of Harakiri invites us to join with Hanshiro in his quest for revenge at some level. Um, but I think as a Christian, we have to be careful with what that looks like and and I, how that plays out. Personally, I feel better that he doesn't get it. I feel it's like he that he doesn't kill everybody. And if anything, like the Lord, he didn't ask, he he didn't do anything against Hanshiro, the Lord of the House. The Lord of the House. Yeah. I don't know if he did anything specifically wrong. Um yeah. Y you know, and so if 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 Hanshiro is going to kill the Lord like Lee, they like that would be bad. Uh, and and vengeful and 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 probably distasteful for for Hanshiro to do. Uh, I feel that going and cutting off the guy's top knots, they, they kind of deserve that, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, but like, what if Hanshiro didn't kill the Lord, but killed the samurai that were directly involved with killing Motome? Um, I would have to put that into what is what's the cultural context for that? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of 
like I have to trans if I'm to translate my Christian values into their culture <laughs> to be able to decide based on their culture, then I have to say, well, what based on their culture, what is it? Uh, because they had direct involvement. Yeah. And so, but if I'm to go for my Christian values, obviously, I would believe that that would be murder. Um, okay. For me, um, because they didn't come after Hanshiro directly. It wasn't self-defense. It was vengeance. Um, okay, I see what you're saying. And so, um, yeah, I would say I would say that. But in terms of him going out after them and disgracing them, um, I believe that would be more along the lines of making deals using uh, unclean mammon, <laughs> of <laughs> of like uh, taking something that is technically wrong. And I don't know. I don't want to say. I want to give ideas of using strange fire but he took something that was culturally significant um and brought it to them and and saying like that this should show you that this is an atrocity uh, we see lots of very odd um gotchas in the old testament <laughs> of like sure this happened and then this thing other happened this other thing happened and it was a big mess um yeah. and i think a lot of that is even just to show the depravity of the situation um, in its entirety. Yeah, I think uh, one one example that that's reminding me of is, um, I think it's Judah and Tamar, where it was something like where Tamar was a wife and her husband died, and then, I might be getting the names wrong, Judah is the brother, and so by law he is the supposed Leverite, to... The Leverite marriage. Something like that, yeah. where he's supposed to go in and sleep with Tamar to give her offspring, yes. but he doesn't, and he spills his semen on the ground, and, and that is an atrocity. Yes. Like, he is and ending that, her line, but then, hold on, yeah. she then is like, I have been wronged, yes. and so I'm going to pretend to be a prostitute, and Judah is going to like go and seek out a harlot, and I'm going to sleep with him to get him to do what he should have done by God's law— and then I'm going to reveal to him that that I was the prostitute and be like, hey, you you should have done this. And I had to trick you. It's like the same and, story. And he gives her like a, like a bracelet, or, a bracelet something. or something like that to know. And it's like, oh, the guy who got me pregnant had gave me this. And it's like his his thing. His bracelet. Yeah. And And the Bible presents that story as like, even though she technically prostituted herself, what she did shows his hypocrisy and his wrongdoing in a way that is almost justified. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I'm just bringing up, like, that's that's a literal, like, gotcha story yeah. where, okay, technically she did wrong, but it almost... But the part of the point of the story is that her prostituting herself is less dishonorable than what he did to her but by it, not it, it giving heaps, her... It heaps disgrace on him. Right, exactly. And and her disgrace of being a prostitute does not negate that. Yeah, um, I, I, I believe so, that she would be still held accountable by for, the, her, for by her the actions. Law. Yes, by for her actions, but it also shows his. And so it's it's the depravity of like y'all y'all are losers. This is all <laughs> you, a big mess. Yeah, y'all are a big mess. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and it just shows the depravity where there is 
weeping and crying and gnashing of teeth and, yeah. and just in everybody, everybody loses. Yeah. So I don't know, I guess in the Western mind, the idea of revenge is very straightforward of like, I'm oppressed, you oppressed me, you and killed entitled. me and I'm entitled to revenge and I'm entitled to chop off all your heads. But just from what I've been learning and thinking about recently from a Christian perspective, it's not always that simple. Yeah. Um, largely because we, for multiple reasons of like, we're all sinners and we, it, Jesus is like, let the person who hasn't sinned cast the first stone. So at some, you could argue on the one hand, nobody has the right to administer justice because you are judged yourself. But then on the other hand, there is justice, like God does call for justice. Yes. And so then, but then how, uh, just again, what you said like 20 minutes ago, like, what do we do in the meantime? And so, well, and the, the other thing is like, there's there's Jesus, a lot of ambiguity and um, tension. And what and what the Lord and and the law has said before, it's is it it doesn't talk to the marginalized. It talks to those who aren't. It says, give to the poor, tend for the widows, hmm. use the law to help those who need help, to love their neighbor, even the 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 drunkard. Give your your wine to the guy who has nothing so he can forget his nothingness. <laughs> That's a passage in you, Proverbs. You know, yeah. um, and, and, and all of those things. And so um, it, the responsibility is given to those who are not marginalized. Hmm. It doesn't condone retaliation. It hmm. says, work to make this not happen in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't know if I personally have wrapped my mind around all the intricacies of that. But I think that Harakiri raises that conversation. And so yeah. um, I think it's very interesting. And I just think it's a really cool movie that has a lot of biblical parallels. Yeah. Um, and is not just that it's definitely not a movie I would have just stumbled across and would have necessarily watched on my own. Yeah. But I, I think I don't know. I highly s- recommend it yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I, I highly recommend it. It's It's not all that gruesome in terms of the physical violence it i mean the scene is brutal in terms of you know what's happening and well, and, 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 and and it's and it's not short i mean it's like a good 30 seconds to a minute long i mean it's right they don't it's, cut anything out they like, don't cut it's it's a, it's it's almost a single shot i mean it's but it's brutal in just what's happening sure um but it's not um like it, there's not blood and guts in in a, in a gory sense yeah <laughs> I don't know. We're kind of splitting hairs, but like, yeah, you're saying like, there's not. I'm saying it's not. It's it's not about carnage. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. The movie, the the violence in the movie is just the subject matter, right? And I think that also yes. And so I think yes. And that's also something I like to say about the movie is that, given how horrendous Harakiri is, especially with a bamboo sword that's not sharp, um, it deals with that subject matter as tastefully as possible and, <laughs> and very expertly yes it, it i think expertly is a good way of saying it and and it does it in such a way where the focal point of the movie mm-hmm. is not this gross-some, uh gruesome um you're not supposed to like it and you don't right you hate that it's that it's, way it's not like we're reveling in carnage yes yeah. and there there are other works that delve into that idea in in other ways that flirt with evil <laughs> you mm. you could say i mean I, I think for me physically physical violence is less um 
it's easier to be like, okay, it's just it's just a violent thing. It's not that, but we, you know, you you talk about um, I don't know, I don't necessarily bring specific things up, but like uh, there are certain things where it, it's like, hmm. I don't know. Is this wrong to put this in media? Is this right to, you know, it's like in terms of bringing up this legitimate conversations, it can be difficult. Yeah. It's the tension of like how, like, because in Harakiri, we're using this violence to make a higher point. Yes. To talk about honor. Yeah. And that kind of thing. But then the question is like, well, how far can I push this in the name of a higher um, well and, and not a that, higher goal. And not that the goal is to push it. Some definitely do have the goal of pushing it sure. and, and making a statement. A lot of comedians definitely <laughs> uh, stand up com- comedians have that have that goal of pushing, you know, what they say to make a, a statement and then hide behind, well, I'm just trying to make the statement, you know. Uh but Or well, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And they and but they're just they all are also intentionally being vulgar um whereas this this movie um is 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 so opposite of that um it's it's taking this uh cultural uh phenomenon and and um make it very expertly making such a higher higher point about it yeah higher commentary that transcends even japanese culture yeah which is and, which, and which you, is cool. And if you don't get a Japanese culture or have some, it's like you can very easily fill it in from just just what goes on. Right. You don't need to like go read a textbook on Japanese yeah. history to understand the movie. Yeah. It's, and the movie is also in Japanese. Um, a lot the, of subtitles. Yes, yeah, subtitles, which is how you watch movies, even if they are in English <laughs> or in your native language. Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And so the. The, the the original movie also in the aesthetic i mean it's it's black and white uh and the music is like spooky it's it's wild you're, talk, you're talking about the 1962 <laughs> yeah, 1962 version. one it's it's yeah. pretty uh it's definitely a vibe um but the <laughs> the you know the remake um yeah i would definitely hi- i would i highly recommend the the movie um i mean it's 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 not for children but it's it's a very um it is a very serious um, and and heart wrenching, you know. And it's uh, it's a narrative. It's a narrative worth contemplating. Yes, like you should watch it and then go think about. And think it should about abstra- it. And and it's not. It should be very easy to extrapolate it to other things, um, and 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 not just be like, well, dang, like sucks for people back then, you know. <laughs> right. And, and it doesn't even have to just like, well, no, like that still happens today. It's like it doesn't even have to be as comparable in the situation, but you should, you should be able, you know, it's like you can put yourself in that situation of like, okay, metaphorically, metaphorically of like, okay, I have this power and, but do I really need to put this person through this or, you know, like in terms of engaging your empathy. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a 92, it's a two hour parable. Yeah. Um, that, that is worth considering. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's, it's super cool. And I'm really happy you, um, recommended it. I've, forced a lot of speaking of people forcing people to do things um yeah i forced a lot of people to watch it um because i think i think it's a, worth, a movie worth watching so if yeah. you're listening to this go watch it i think it's on amazon um yeah i don't know i the 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 newer one is easier to watch from a production value yes because i would recommend watching the new the remake uh, it's, it's very very good and if you yeah so I, desire watch the first one and 
be even more disgusted. <laughs> well, if you're if you're only interested in narrative and the message, then the the original one is better. Um, yes. There's some fluff in the newer one, and so from a narrative perspective, it's it's it doesn't hit as hard, and there's some dead spots, and a lot of the reviews say that it, it's longer than it needs to be. Um, but from a production value of it's in color, it's got way more engaging music and and whatever. Mm-hmm. It, the the newer one is is easier to connect it's with. It's much more emotional, I feel. Yes, um, but if you're just if you're a purist and it's like I want the original story and I want the original narrative. Um, the, the narrative as its own thing in a vacuum is much more compelling in the yeah. old one. So yeah. I don't know, pick, pick which one. But, yeah. The yeah. remake is such a good remake. And it's also, it, this is just another note. The cast is incredible how the everyone, <laughs> it's like they like s- put everyone in carbonite and froze them and then brought them to the future. <laughs> and, and like, it's really funny. Like, they look identical the actors in the 1962 versus 2011 like they all look the same the exact same it's really funny and so (laughs) maybe they just yeah it's 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 pretty crazy so anyway but cool it's a great movie i wish you can go watch it but thanks jared for yeah thanks for having me on yeah thanks for discussing this um i look forward to discussing more movies with you yeah awesome thanks everyone for listening we'll catch you on the next one bye Thank you.